certainly good to be with you, uh, to share with you from God's Word what we feel He's laid upon our heart. Uh, it's interesting, uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, just straight up, did you know that if you read the Bible, you would be smarter than the average person? Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms, probably one of the most favorite, most read parts of the Bible uh, that people seem to find comfort in the Psalms. Psalms 139. They've been a rumor going around for many years, and we're going to dispel that rumor today. Psalms 139. If you have your Bibles and you'd like and you're able to stand, shall we stand together for the reading of the Lord's Word? Psalms 139. Begin reading. With verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand shall guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be darkness to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now that in these next few remaining moments that you will open our eyes, open our hearts as we have read from your word. Uh, speak to us and we'll be careful to praise you in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And you may be seated. I'd like to speak to you just for a little while from the universal presence of God. The rumor that I've been talking about is the simple fact that people think they can hide from God. I have read in your hearing that that is actually an utter impossibility. You cannot hide from God. Light and darkness are the same to Him. I had earlier stated that if you were just to read the Bible, you would be smarter, and it's true. Can I give you one instance that uh, I've been finding out and thinking uh, this la over the last couple of weeks? Um, most of you will know, and I will, I will tell you that you can actually trust the Bible. You can believe in it. But actually, to prove to you that uh, it's pretty interesting what the Bible does say, that uh, when I went to school, I distinctly remember the teacher reading a passage in a history book about a man that was going to sail out in the ocean. He thought the earth was flat. Maybe some of you had that same teacher. You remember that in your history class? When Columbus actually sailed to sea, he believed that the earth was flat, that you would just sail to a point and fall off to nobody knows where. Had he only read the Bible, he would have known that the earth was not flat but round. Some 2,600 years before he sailed the sea, 
The book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 22, declares that God sits enthroned upon the circle of the earth. And that word circle is only used one time in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. If he would have just read the Bible, he'd known that the earth was circular. You think, you think that's just a coincidence? Well, actually, did you know that uh, actually that there's a lot of things that are proven in the Bible? Uh, foremost, did you know that um, in the Old Testament when people got sick, they moved them away from everybody else, put them in colonies outside the cities. The lepers and those that had sickness. And it, it took us, uh, how many plagues in the United States and in Europe did the people gather together? And one was sick and they would make the other sick. And next thing you know, the whole town was sick. Do you not remember that? Do you not remember reading that? But yet in the Old Testament, they've done that for thousands of years. I say if you would just read the Bible, you would be smarter. In Christian teachings, the basic truth is found here. It's often hidden at times. It's rather assumed than asserted. And it's simply this, that God is here right now. God dwells in his creation everywhere. This is taught by the prophets and it's taught by the apostles. It appears in theology books. But for some reason or another, it has not sunk into our normal thinking and to our Christian part of our belief, uh, I don't know why. But people just simply can't believe the Bible. But did you know that the Bible is actually proved historically? Uh, some of the same things and traditions that the Israelites have done, they have done for thousands of years. Did you know the Bible is proven to be true? Archaeology has proven they've dug up artifacts of times and places that are mentioned in the Bible. In the Bible, prophecy has told us that the Bible is true. In the Old Testament, if you were a prophet and you said something was come to pass and it did not, you were not a prophet. For a prophet in the Bible, everything that he said or she said, it happened when they said it was going to happen. It said it, it happened how they said it was going to take place and when. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about the time that Jesus was going to come. There are things that have already been prophesied that have come true. There are some prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. You can believe what you read in the Bible. And the fourth thing that really probably the most important thing that you need to know is how we know the Bible is true. It's been proven by human experience. I've experienced that I know it's true. I see the smiles on some of your faces and you've experienced it and you know that it's true. But some reason or another, we have not got into our thinking that God is actually right here. What does it mean in Christian experience that God is here? It simply means that there's no place that we can go that he is not. I have read it to you right now in the Psalms written hundreds and hundreds of years ago that if I were to go to the heavens or I were to go to the depths, to the far reaches of the sea, I know that you're there. Matter of fact, at no point am I any closer to him right now, this moment, where I'm standing than any other place in the world. 
Now, I have entertained in my, in my thought here, I had, I had written down that have them stand, take one step to the right, take one step to the left. Just so that you'll know that right here, I am no closer to God than I was right here or right here. Does that make any, am I making any sense? That nowhere I go, though separated by time or space, am I any closer or further away from God than I am right now, right here. Did you know that, see, I don't know what time it is, I forgot my watch this morning, but did you know that in some parts of the world they've already had service and people have felt God's presence? Hours behind us. And we're separated by time, we're separated by space, but yet they still experienced God's presence. And I'm simply saying that this should be taught till it glows within every one of us. <coughs> I would like to suggest to you that in the beginning, God, not matter, for matter is not self-causing, it requires a cause, and that cause is God. It is not law, for law is only the course that all nature follows. It's not mind, for mind is a created thing. It must have a creator behind it. And it says, in the beginning, God, the uncaused cause of mind, matter, and law, that is where you and I need to start. Adam sinned, and he did, or he tried to do, the impossible. He tried to hide from God. He thought there was a place that he could go. He was in the cool of the evening, and he hid in the bushes, as it were. And God spoke to him. And God said, where are you? And he said, I was afraid. I'm naked. And he said, who told you that you were naked? And then he found out that they had eaten from the, the uh, tree of good and evil. And then he asked Adam, what have you done? Why? And the first thing out of his mouth was, the woman gave it to me. He talks to the woman, and the woman said it was the serpent. And here we are today. Every single person in this world that I, that I know anything about always finds it easier to pass the blame. It's not my fault. Somebody made me do it. It's a product of my environment. I'm a product of my social economic status. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never mine. And it's high time that you and I began to take responsibility for our own actions. It's nobody's fault but mine. I spoke with a guy this last week. I put my arms around him. He finds himself in deep trouble. He's got another appearance coming up in court. I hugged him and I said, listen, son, I want you to know God can forgive you for your sin. But you're going to have to deal with the consequences of it. I'm here to help you do and go through whatever it is that you need me to do for you. Ladies and gentlemen, David had the wild thought that he was trying to hide from God. And matter of fact, I remember playing hide and seek as a kid. Do you remember those days? And the ones that, uh, that, ones that were able to, to hide the longest were those that had the best spot. I've done that with my grandkids. It's kind of fun. I get pretty close to them. I always know where they're at because you can hear them giggle. I'll tell them, here I come. And they start to laugh when you get real close. But ladies and gentlemen, we've grown up with the idea that we can play hide-and-seek with God. 
and we can't. He sees all. He knows all. But David had that thought. And as a matter of fact, I have read to you in your presence that scripture. And it certainly leads me to, the, to this one thought that David understood when he wrote this passage. And it's the main thing I want you to know today. If you don't take anything else away from this, remember this one thing. David found out after writing this particular passage of scripture that God's being and his seeing are the same thing. You're awful quiet. God's being and his seeing are the same thing. He's here. He's now. He sees whether it's light or it's dark. Solomon wrote in, in 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, where uh, he wrote, Behold the heavens... And the heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this place that I have built. Paul said to the uh, people in Athens, He be not very far away from us, for we live and move and have, uh, <clears throat> for in him we live and move and have our beings. Acts chapter 17. If God is present at every point in space, if we cannot go where he's not, then why is this not a celebrated teaching of the church that God is here Jacob had that answer and it's answered actually that this question is actually answered in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 16 I told you you will be smarter if you read the Bible Jacob said after having a vision he said surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not Samuel had a vision, or Jacob had a vision, and then all of a sudden, he realized he was in the presence of God. Before he had the vision, he didn't know that God was there. And you're looking at me like you're not believing what I'm telling you. Right now, God is here, whether you believe it or not. He sees what's going on. Matter of fact, uh, this matter of fact, did you know that the presence of God and His manifestation of His presence are not the same? I've wrestled with this for a lot of times. I used to go to a church with a bunch of people that I knew when God was here. You walk into the church, you knew that you were in the presence of somebody that was not like you. Well, let me give you, a, for instance, what I mean by God's manifestation of his presence and his presence are not the same thing. Have you been in church when you're singing some of the songs that we were singing? I'm looking around at all the animals behind me, and I feel like I'm crowded, but it's all right. As long as I don't get bit in the backside this morning by one of these animals, I will be all right. <laughs> then I'll know there's somebody up here besides me. Huh. Ladies and gentlemen, but think about it like this. You've been in church. You're singing a song. All of a sudden, somebody raises their hand. You hear amen. You see a smile. And all of a sudden, if you were to look around, people are looking at you like, really? 
Or you're saying amen. You get real, you know, where I used to go to church at, we had a, we had a little pew in the corner. The, church, the rows were, you know, the, it was not quite as wide as this, but it was actually just as wide. But we didn't have the rows. They all were in straight lines. And there was a bench in this corner over here. There was another one right over here. Let's see, if I'm standing here, the men were here, the women were over here. Only the men sat on this bench. It was called the Amen Corner. Over here was another Amen Corner. And most Sundays, when I was growing up as a kid, there'd be a lady over here with a bonnet on her head. Honest to goodness, with a bonnet. She would have her Bible. The men would over here, they would most likely have on a white shirt with a black tie. I changed things up a little bit. I had to wear green. I wasn't, wasn't about to wear white this morning. But they would sit in this corner. And when the preacher began to preach, he hit, hit a note. You'd hear, amen, on this corner. And I'm not going to try the ladies, but they'd be over here, and they would echo that. Who was caught in the middle? But the preacher. <laughs> he knew something was going on. He could feel the presence of God. I'm simply saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, when somebody begins to raise their hand and smile, God begins to manifest himself to them. And the other people are saying, really? What? What's up? The difference that you and I should be praying right now is God not come to here and be with us. He's already here. That's pretty foolish to pray that God just come and be with us today. He's already here. We should be praying. God manifest yourself to us that everyone knows that you are here. Matter of fact, God is here when you and I are wholly unaware of it. Our part is simply to yield to the Spirit of God. His work is to show us the Father. And God wants to reveal Himself to everyone here. And He's waiting on one thing from every one of us. All He wants is a response from you. Yes or no? That's a response. Yes Oh no. I remember those days when God was speaking to me. I've held on to the back of the pew many times when they gave the altar call. I knew what it was like. And I remember the day that I said yes. And God responded to me. Now, always, everywhere, God is present. He wants to manifest himself to you. And did you know that we're always successful? Always. 100% of the time. Because God, 100% of the time, is always willing to reveal himself to you. And did you know that when God manifests himself to you, think about it like this. He does not have to come from a distance. He's already here. Does it sound like a word game? No, it's not. God does not have to come from a distance to meet any of us. All we have to do is respond to him. That's all he's looking for is a response. Now, I'll say this to you. Now, if that's the case, why do some people experience God in other ways that other people do not? Why does God seem to manifest himself to some and he leaves others to struggle? Of course, it's the will of God the same for everyone. The problem is not God, it's us. 
<laughs> and the difference not, does not lie with God, it's with us. Now, pick anybody you want to know. Pick any saint. Any saint. And you know they're, they're not alike, but they're different. Think about the difference between a Moses and Elijah. From a David to Elisha. From a John and a Paul. Well, let's go, let's get a little more contemporary. Let's go, how about a St. Francis from a Martin Luther? What's the difference? Well, the difference is race, nationality, education, temperament, habit, quality. But what are the same? Yet, they walked with God on a high road of spiritual living far above the average individual. First of all, the difference is simply this. They had something within them that moved them Godward. And that is what they cultivated. Donovan and I have been reading a lot about cultivation here lately. We've been reading a lot about pruning and turning. <laughs> and it seems like this. But did you know that it's that very same thing that will cause you to grow? Their differences were not subtle. They were mostly the same. They had a spiritual awareness, and that spiritual awareness is what they worked on, what they developed, what they encouraged, what they fed to make them the men, the women that they are. Hello, are you with me? Did you know if you want to make any kind of progress, it takes a lot of work? The same thing is true in our spiritual lives. It takes work. We have to do something. We just can't stand idly by, and things happen miraculously around us. It does not do that. It takes work on our part. Did you know that something in each one of these men and women here that I have read to you, there was something different about them. They had an openness to heaven. They had a spiritual awareness. And did you know that that was the very thing that makes the very biggest difference in the average walk and a life radiant with the presence of God? David said in Psalms 27, 8, when thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said to thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. The most important thing that you can do right now is seek the Lord's face. For months now, Dob and I have been working very hard on seeking the Lord's face. We have been praying harder than we've ever prayed in our life for things that are very close and meaning something to us. And I find it every time that I begin to seek the face, God meets with me. Every time. And it's not just moments pass by, hours pass by in the presence of a holy God. It makes a difference in our lives. Everything good in human experience back of it has a receptivity to God. A receptivity is not a single thing, but it is a compound thing. You need to be open to God. When God speaks to you, you need to say, yes, here I am. It makes a difference in your life when we respond to God in kind. As he reaches out to us, we need to reach out to him. And as, he, as we do that, God reveals himself to us. We begin to understand who he is, how he works. And then we see God's hand begin to move and work in our lives as never before. 
Is that not your experience? Or am I just preaching to a wall here? Yes or no? Shake your head. Do something. Ouch or amen. Which one is it? Yes. As we respond to God in kind, he begins to reveal himself to us. Having a receptivity to God is something that we do. We need to have an infinity for. We need to have a bend toward. We need to have a sympathetic response to. We need to have a desire to have the manifestation of God's presence to me. Now, these may vary in degrees. We Some may have a little more, a little less. It may increase by exercise or be destroyed by neglect. It's just that simple. If you want to grow, you got to work. If you want to wither it on the vine, you can do that as well. Yes or no? It's not something we do just once in a while or only when I'm in trouble. Some people are like that, you know. <clears throat> we only pray when we've exhausted everything else we have done. You know, we do everything we can. And when we have come to our very end, then do we pray. When that's what we should have done to start with. Yes. <laughs> Did you know <coughs> that the grace of God is not irresistible, but it must be recognized and cultivated for it to bring forth a purpose? This is the idea of cultivation and exercise. If we live, in, we live actually in what is known as a push-button age. You want your coffee hot? What do you do? You mash your button. No? You telling me you don't have a microwave? Yeah. <clears throat> yes, we live in a push-button age. You push your button. You want a pizza? What do you do? You push a button. I heard that. Jerry, I didn't get a shot. Was that you? What did you do to me? But think about it, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a push-button age. It's something that people think we've got to have it right now. I don't want to wait. Thank goodness for Google, you know. But you want something and they want it now. But when it comes to spiritual things, it does not happen that way. The scriptures teach that some things only come by prayer and fasting. Some things come by spending time reading the Bible. Some things come by holding a hand of a friend and praying till it comes to pass. Now, what is required for you and, I have to, you and I to have a deeper knowledge of God? First of all, we must turn loose of the grips of our day, and we must return to the Bible way. We must get away from the push button. I want it now. And realize if you're going to be part of the God's plan and purpose, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some time. It might cost you a little bit of money. No? I heard this morning that God's got a vast supply of things. The pastor said this morning on the, on the TV, before I left the house, 
God has no problem getting money to you. He only has problems getting money through you. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> yes. Really? Did I just say it? Yes, I did say that. This is not about money, ladies and gentlemen, but I do know this. I found this to be so. You cannot outgive God. But did you know that if you give a little, you're blessed a little. If you give a lot, you're blessed a lot. Did you know that the more you give, the more you'll have to give? Did you know that the more time you spend with God, the more you'll know Him? The more you'll sense His presence wherever you go. The more time you spend in His presence. You know, uh, <clears throat> most of the songs that we sing or have sung are based out of the Bible. This particular uh, quote that I have read to you that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place was a song back in the 70s. <clears throat> he went on to say that I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on his face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I think you know God is here now. I've heard the angels sing. I see glory on some faces. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. We must cultivate a response to God when he speaks to us. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I must start doing what God is asking us to do. He's telling us right now, by his word that I have read, that you and I are to go into all the world and make disciples. We need to be telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you don't know anything about him, you certainly can't tell people who he is. But if you spend time in the Bible, you'll find out who he is. And it'll be something that you desire to do. You and I need to make earnest. We need to understand that God's trying to get your attention. And he's trying to get my attention. You think things happen just because? Because? There are no coincidences with God. God is trying to get our attention. God wants to reveal himself to each of us. God wants to communicate to us. And God wants us to know him. It's just that simple. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I will know him ever increasing degree as our receptivity becomes more perfect by faith, by love, by practice, and lastly, by obedience. I'll say to you this morning, and I'm finished. Do you want to know him, whom to know a right's life eternal? I didn't pray for God to be here. He's already here. How do I know that? Well, I brought him with me. How about you? Yeah? It's almost like those two people that are driving along in the car, you know, and all of a sudden they had a, they had a car wreck, and the, man, the, and the driver said, man, the Lord was with me. And the other guy pushed him out of the way and said, get out of the way. So let me drive. He said, you're trying to kill me and him. So let's go. But did you know he realized that God was with him? God wants you to know him. And God's speaking to you right now. 
He's waiting for a response for you. God's been speaking to some of you for a while. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know that he'll forgive your sin. And he'll create a right relationship with you. And you can leave and go through those doors different than when you came in. But there's only one condition. You have to respond to him. God is reaching out. You need to reach out to him. He's offering you a hand. Take it. He wants you to know it. I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to pray, and I'm done. We don't necessarily have to have music this morning. For ladies and gentlemen, we are in the presence of someone other than we are. I think it was T. Austin Sparks that said he called it the otherness of God. He realized that God was other than he was. I have as well. We're in the presence of a holy God that wants you to know him. He wants to forgive you of your sin. <clears throat> he wants to change your life. Are you willing to respond to him? Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? No one's looking around. God's speaking to you, and I can tell you this, honestly, sincerely, from the depths of my heart. If you were to come down and pray this morning, I assure you, you'll not be here by yourself. There will be other people that are willing to pray with you as long as it takes. Is there anyone this morning who would like to step out from where you're standing? You would like to respond to God in Christ as He speaks to you. We'll give you just a moment. <clears throat> if not, then we'll change the order. Then shall we pray together? Our Heavenly Father, we certainly thank you that you are here. We thank you for what you have done, for what you are doing. And for what you want to do, enter through those that are willing to reach out to you. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you've made yourself known to us this morning. That we can sense and feel and know that we're in the presence of a high and a holy God. That we know by reading your word today that we cannot hide from you. There's no place that we can go. We have learned this morning, Lord, that the darkness and the light are the same to you. That you're here with us. You'll be riding with us as we go home. You will be with us in the quietness of our own homes. You'll be with us as we go to work. You're with us when we are not even aware of you. But Heavenly Father, for those that you have been speaking to, we ask that you would have mercy upon them and continue to reach out to them they might know you, whom to know right to life eternal. That they might know what it feels like to have the burden of sin lifted. That they can know the God of Jesus. They can understand the love of our Heavenly Father that sin is only begotten Son. So I'll pay a price to die in my place. That when life is over, I close my eyes in death. I arrive 
on heaven's shore to spend eternity with my heavenly Father. Bless each one in divine presence. Lord, may your word never leave our minds, but stay with us. Continue to speak to us. Continue to use us. Continue to minister to us. And we'll be careful to praise you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.